0: the truth news
1: network carly simon in the 70s
2: said these are the good old days isn't it scary how true that has become because well except for the hair
1: and the clothes you know what doesn't go out of style the truth and we're tnn we deal exclusively in the truth And your master of the zeitgeist is Dan Newman. Here's the problem, though. Everybody claims to own the truth when, in fact, the truth is in a vacuum. It exists totally by itself. It doesn't need arbiters of the truth. But today, it seems like everybody has a version of it. Hey there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. We have a lot of layers to peel today. And we're going to get started. It's going to be a tough day. A lot of things happening that you need to know about. So relax a little bit for at least another four minutes, okay?
3: Daddy plays the ashtray. Baby starts to cry. The lady wants to know the reason why Dad is just like Coltrane Baby's just like Miles Lady's just like Calvin When she smiles Lady wants to know She wants to know the reason Got to know the reason why This man has got to go Man is always leaving, how he hates to say goodbye. What she doesn't know is there really is no reason. smile Mm -hmm. The lady wants to know
1: honest with me. That's kind of a relaxing sound to get your Wednesday morning started, right? That's uh, Michael Frank's 1977. The lady wants to know, if my daughters were listening, which I'm sure they're not, they're both at work, but they would call what you just heard Michael Frank's dad's elevator music. (laughs) And you don't hear that on an elevator. All that being said, they uh, they have a little different taste in music. That's a generation behind me, and that's okay because I had a little different taste in music from my parents. And uh, I didn't make fun of my parents. I guess I'm a musician. I like pretty much songs from all the different recent eras of music, even from way back in the '30s and '40s. I don't. I don't make a a habit of uh, living on that music back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. But there's some of it that's pretty darn good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. It is Wednesday. It's hump day. You're halfway to the weekend. We've got much that we need to dig into today, but let's begin this with another tragedy. Two people killed, five others wounded yesterday yesterday happened during a shooting outside a high school graduation ceremony in Richmond, Virginia. They have a suspect in custody that's facing at least two murder charges. Two people killed were not immediately identified by officials, but a community advocate, Charles Willis, who was speaking on behalf of the family, identified the victims as a father-son, 18-year-old Sean Jackson and his 36-year-old father, Renzo Smith. And this teen was set to graduate yesterday. 31-year-old gunshot victim still had life-threatening injuries last night. Four males, ages 14, 32, 55, and 58, had injuries that were not considered life-threatening. A 19-year-old suspect is in custody and is now facing two second-degree murder charges. That's according to Richmond Police Acting Chief Rick Edwards. Just another Tragedy, And another reason and another thing the left are going to use to somehow make a case, we got to get rid of those evil guns. No. What we've got to do before we try to do something drastic that's unconstitutional, we've got to begin to enforce the laws. As I say every time there's another shooting out there, The missing piece of information, we never hear anything about the gun that was used in those shootings and murders across the nation. Every weekend up in Chicago, Chicago, Illinois has some of the most stringent gun laws of any city in the nation, but you know what's missing? They don't tell us in the reports what was the source of the gun that was used in these killings. And I will tell you, I promise you, if and when we find out, we'll find out the guns are being owned, or being used illegally. They've been purchased as stolen guns or they've been stolen by the perpetrators of these crimes. What can stop all that? Enforcing gun laws, existing gun laws. If we would enforce gun laws, these shootings wouldn't be happening. That's not an excuse. That's a fact. What do we have for you today? A bunch of news, a bunch of information besides that Richmond, Virginia stuff. Um, Tucker Carlson's back on the air. Yeah, he's not at Fox. He's getting a fat Fox paycheck through next December. That's when his contract with Fox runs out. And he can't do broadcast on a television network. It would be a violation of of his contract. He is in litigation with Fox News. But he cut a deal with Elon Musk, and he is doing his show. It's not an hour long. It's shorter than that. But he's doing his show on Twitter. And he did his very first one yesterday. It's only a few minutes long. Guess what we're going to do here? In our second hour, you're going to hear Tucker. You're going to hear his new show, the debut of his new show. It's called Tucker on Twitter. That's coming up. Additionally, we've got big news out of communist China. We have put a conspiracy theory to rest. And it has to do with TikTok. And we got more people in the presidential race. All of that and a whole lot more coming up with us. So stay with us for the two hours. If you can't, I get it. I understand. A commitment of two hours in the middle of a workday morning is difficult to do. But you can always come back to our site later that day, that night, the next day, and you can find the show and you can listen to it there. Also, on any of your favorite podcast hosting sites, they all carry TNN Live. In fact, just minutes after the show goes over at 11 a.m., they pick up those shows and they have them for you there. So if you got an iPhone, or if you have a Google phone, whatever your source is, you can go see and store, bookmark TNN Live. That way you never miss a show. So getting started today, and now we're in the heat, the very beginning of the, the heat of a presidential primary coming up this August, believe it or not. Can you, can you imagine We're about to enter the primary season for the 2024 presidential election. But something I want to do right now is start getting you to think about our existing president, who, by the way, has made it clear he's going to run for re-election. So let's look back over our shoulders just for a minute. For the entirety of Joe Biden's presidential campaign back in 2020, in the 28 months of his presidency, President Biden has been and is a sick man. Now, don't start throwing stuff at your computer screen in anger. Just listen to me. During the campaign, he was so feeble that those that were handling him as political handlers, they kept him locked up down in the basement. His public events were very scarce and his rare media interviews were usually marked with some embarrassing vocal gaffes on his part. And his problems have only gotten worse during his presidency. His feebleness was on display last week when he tripped on stage, tumbled face first. He did a face plant on the ground at the Air Force Academy's commencement ceremony. His aides had a challenging time in getting him to his feet. Biden first sat back down on his stage. He finally got up and he pointed to the culprit. There was a sandbag used to secure his teleprompter. But to make matters worse, when he got back to the White House, he bumped his head, I mean nastily, getting off of Marine One, the helicopter that brings him from uh, Joint Base Andrews to the White House. This fall... The one this week was not the first time Americans have seen President Biden tumble. Numerous times, he stumbled while walking up the stairs of Air Force One. Last year, he famously fell off his bike while he was riding in a state park in Delaware. And then just a few weeks ago at the G7 Summit in Hiroshima, Japan, Biden almost tripped when walking down concrete stairs. He wasn't holding the railing. And a fall could have been catastrophic and seriously injured him. Sadly, and nobody can credibly say this is not right, President Biden is very frail. His health is a ticking time bomb. After speeches, he often gets lost, does not know where to go. He could easily tumble off a stage and require hospitalization or even surgery. This is a nightmare for the American people. And listen to what I'm saying. It needs to end immediately. He's 80 years old. At 80, Joe Biden needs medical care, treatment, and rest. He doesn't have the physical or the mental capabilities to manage the most demanding and powerful job in the world. He just doesn't. He's clearly not in good condition, physically or mentally, even for age 80. His speeches are often marked with mistakes, misstatements, forgetfulness. A perfect example of that was his struggle to pronounce the word kleptocracy during a National White House address in April last year. Regularly, he mispronounces names, even for individuals who are prominent Democrats. Elected officials or much worse members of his own cabinet. Many medical experts, including former White House physician and now U.S. Congressman Ronnie Jackson of Texas, he believes Biden is suffering from a serious cognitive decline. According to Dr. Jackson, people like Joe Biden and people that surround him and are supposed to love him and care about him, they should be doing something about this, and they should be stopping this. Because it's a shame. Why didn't the First Lady end this farce? We all know the answer to that. Obviously, it's because she selfishly loves the limelight, the prestige, and all the benefits that are associated with being a First Lady. Instead of his loved ones and his political allies doing the right thing, they continue this charade. It's because Joe is not the real president. He is a puppet of powerful interest that control his every move. The situation is clear to 2024 GOB presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. He claims that Biden is a puppet, a frontman, for the managerial industrial complex around him. And frankly, it's starting to look more and more like a form of elder abuse. Ramaswamy believes that Biden's cognitive defects are a convenience for the managerial class that's turned him into this puppet we see every day. This situation is shocking. It's frightening. And it's completely unacceptable. Since Biden's aides and family members will not encourage him to resign, the vice president and a majority of cabinet members should invoke the 25th Amendment and remove him. At the very least, congressional Republicans should demand that the president immediately submit a mental competency text. If he fails that competency test, and he will, he should then be impeached, convicted, and removed from office. This may sound harsh, But the facts are there, and the obvious things say and show and speak, they actually scream loudly, Joe Biden is no longer fit to serve as president. And by the way, the list of impeachable offenses that Biden has committed, it's quite long, and there are many that can be used to end his threat to both the institution of the presidency and, more importantly, to the nation. Let me just point one out. Every day, every illegal immigrant that steps foot in the United States of America is doing so because the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, has decided he is no longer going to, if he ever did, enforce the rule of law according to the oath of office he took and according to the Constitution and according to federal immigration laws that he was instigated and was part of passing when he was in the U.S. Senate. He is not enforcing the law. That is impeachable. For each example of that. As President Trump stated after Biden's fall, it was not inspiring to see him sprawled on the stage in Colorado Springs. This sent a message of weakness to our enemies It was also not comforting to the American people or to our military service members, commander-in-chief and all that. It's a sick joke to believe that Biden can run for president again in 2024 and theoretically serve in that position until he's 86 years old. He can't function as a president now at 80 and his condition is will only get worse as he ages it does for all of us this is not just because it's Joe Biden a Democrat and because conservatives don't like what he's doing it wouldn't matter if it was Trump or even Ronald Reagan you get to a point where you can't meet the challenge any longer and you step aside therefore The time for action is now, right now, before calamity strikes our nation. Congressional Republicans can no longer remain quiet on this vital matter as it only conveys timidity, sends a message, another message, to our enemies around the world. Congress must show courage and act, especially When our national security is at risk, and it is, it is in risk every day, this man lives in the White House, and it's not a slam, what I'm talking about, is not a slam on the President of the United States. It's a slam on the process that is being used every day to keep this charade, keep it going, That, my friends, is a danger to the United States. And why do you think Xi Jinping and other foreign enemy foes are just getting prepared? And they are ready. Red China, communist China, is ready to pounce because they know the United States can't go out and defend many, if not all, of our allies on the planet that we have committed and for decades have been the arbiter of keeping them free and protecting them, not because of things we're doing, but what our enemies would expect us to do if they attack any of our allies. Taiwan is one of those. We, for decades, have had agreements with Communist China, whoever the leaders have been, leave Taiwan alone. It's an independent nation. And we expect any day now for Xi Jinping and Communist China to invade Taiwan. That may seem like a nothing burger. It's just a little island over there. But do you know that almost 80% of our computer chips come from Taiwan? What would happen What would happen in the United States if communist China just took that one thing away from us? Talk about change our lives. It would definitely change our lives. Enough of that. I pontificate. (laughs) You know how I feel and I share with a bunch of American citizens those same feelings. It's just not right. Well, let's talk about the election stuff. Yeah, we've got some more people in the race. Former Vice President Mike Pence, the ultra-loyal supporter of former President Trump until after the 2020 elections, and with whom he twice shared the top ticket, filed papers this week with the Federal Election Commission. He is in the 2024 GOP nomination race. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who famously took down Florida Senator Marco Rubio back in the 2016 GOP debates and helped pave the way for Trump to clinch that nomination, he's in the race now. Christie was part of Trump's transition team and was a member at one time of Trump's innermost circle. In a 2019 CNBC interview, Christie bragged about their close relationship he said that Trump offered him numerous high-profile positions, including that of the Labor Secretary, Homeland Security Secretary, Special Assistant to the President, Ambassador to Rome, and Ambassador to the Vatican, all of which he turned down. Now, that's Chris Christie's version. Christie's genial TV presence and direct private line to Trump got Christie a lucrative ABC Sunday morning talk show gig, which he now hopes he he's going to be able to exploit. And then there's Nikki Haley, Trump's former UN ambassador, who was among the first to announce she would challenge Trump, even before Trump himself had made his plans clear. I predicted that in the right circumstances, she could be a formidable opponent. Haley polled less than 2% at CPAC Dallas, which was covered gavel-to-gavel last summer. We talked about it every day in the latest Real Clear Politics polling averages. She's inched up, way up there. She's now at 3.3% despite a barrage of media hit pieces since she made her announcement. Vice presidents and cabinet officers angling for their bosses' jobs after their term in office. That's as American as apple pie. Everyone considers it. And most of them do it. President Biden served under President Obama. Vice President Gore almost won the presidency in 2000 against Bush 43 when Florida decided for Bush by 538 votes. But what makes 2024 different is that Pence is competing with his former boss for the nomination and has turned into a never-Trumper. A rhino, Republican in name only. And we've got more about that in just a few minutes. Only one former president has returned to win non-consecutive terms. Grover Cleveland back in 1892 after he lost the Electoral College in 1888 to Benjamin Harrison. Cleveland won the presidency for the first time in 1884. Trump supporters would love for this history to repeat itself and deal a final blow to antagonists who've been plotting Trump's political demise for at least eight years. What about the others in the race? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is the most prominent candidate with the highest name recognition. Vivek Ramaswamy, whom we profiled just a minute ago, was at 4% in the most recent Fox News poll. Also running is an exciting African-American candidate, Tim Scott of South Carolina. We really like him. He was first nominated to a seat by Nikki Haley when she was then South Carolina governor and later won a full Senate term on his own. No one from South Carolina has ever won the White House. Even five candidates challenging Trump is sizable considering that all of them sat out of the 2020 primaries, which Trump won unopposed. Now, each candidate has to convince voters that Trump, all of a sudden, is not electable. A tricky feat, considering that Trump created history by winning more votes in his second run than the first, and he still lost. No president has done that in over 100 years. The most obvious way for challengers to attack Trump is to point out his trouble since Biden took office. Now, what would those include? Well, Trump's second impeachment, the politically charged January 6th proceedings, the classified documents case being pushed hard by Merrick Garland, the attorney general who has proven himself to be politically motivated, the two New York lawsuits and the Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's Georgia election case. Most Republican voters would react to any Republican candidate mentioning these Trump deficiencies because they believe that the former president is the target of the swamp's long campaign to bring him down. And I happen to be one of those people. Undaunted, more challenges are entering the field every day. There's so many that the RNC may have to open up a second overflow debate stage to accommodate them all. Politico counts long-shot contenders Asa Hutchinson, who, by the way, is a former two-team Arkansas governor, Larry Elder, former conservative media personality, businessman Perry Johnson, who failed to qualify for the 2022 Michigan governor's race, and Ryan Binkley, a Dallas-area businessman, and non-dominational pastor. There will be more, I promise you. A crowded Republican field, who's that going to help and who's it's going to (laughs) hurt? The more the merrier, says Trump. The more in, it's going to help Trump enormously. It would be difficult for any of his challengers to differentiate themselves from Trump On policy. So what are they doing? Most of them buy into large parts of the MAGA agenda anyway, where subtle differences matter very little. When everyone on a debate stage utters the same message on Ukraine, fake news, immigration, crime, the economy, inflation, and COVID, Trump, and that's going to happen, Trump will likely stand out as the one who led on all these matters as the president, number 45. No challenger who confronts him about 2020 election irregularities will survive in this race. Just look at what happened to Liz Cheney. She lost her gig. Challengers could try to talk about the intangible but critical code words like temperament, conduct, or avoiding drama, but invite risk if Trump counterattacks, as he is going to do. He does every time. Trump has already used several nicknames to attack DeSantis, the most common being Ron DeSantis. The best hope for the challengers is to see Trump legally in trouble from all the cases that are brewing against him. And this strategy is risky too, as many issues, like whether Trump can run for office from prison, are constitutionally untested. (laughs) At this point, at this point in this race, the 2024 nomination is Donald Trump's to lose. Golly, you just got two opinion pieces back to back from Big Dan. (laughs) <laughs> I apologize for it, but you know what? When we have Steve Baker on our second hour on Tuesday, which we do every Tuesday, and yesterday our conversation was full of some very meaty things. I've gotten tons of text and emails talking about it. People are concerned, and many people are afraid. And because of that, it's incumbent upon us here at TNN Live, and we're committed, we're all in, to bring you facts, and to weigh in every day on the issues, the things that are important to you. You, the people, we, the people, are what makes this nation happen. It's not the government, even though the government thinks the government is the end-all and be-all. It's the people. The people need to know what's going on in dadgummit, that's what we're all about. We're not going to stop. We're not stopping. We're keeping
4: on.
5: 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began.
4: Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty dance.
5: Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny.
4: Where's my Johnny here?
6: Some will rise. Some will fall. Oh. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event.
4: Starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5.
7: tonight it's all about big cash here we go and big crash <laughs> on the new season of celebrity wheel of fortune one star will spin it, it to win it all a big winner of one million dollars then host leslie jones is off to the races on supermarket suite
4: on your carts get, get, yeah.
7: and we're gonna need a cleanup up on every aisle you are on fire. <laughs> it all starts tonight 8 7 central on ABC and stream on hulu
2: the following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or gag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries. Was four seventy-nine, dollars now just two ninety-nine. dollars but act now or later because these staples' everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $479, now just $299. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $229 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing everyday price cuts. Thank you. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. By
1: the way, I mentioned Steve Baker's second hour with us yesterday. We, He and I really went into some deep, deep things in our conversation. And it went long. It went about 40 minutes. Normally, it's between 20 and 30 minutes. If you missed the show yesterday... I encourage you, go grab that podcast. It's probably one of the most important TNN Live shows that we've done, and this is our fourth season. How do you get it? The quickest, easiest way. Most of you have Apple iPhones. Go to the Apple podcast site if you haven't already bookmarked TNN Live. Put TNN Live with an exclamation point in your search bar, and when it comes up, you'll see my the caricature of me Uh, it's hard to miss. And if you'll bookmark it, you can always go immediately get the latest show. It will be the top show when you scroll down. But get yesterday's show. And if you you don't want to listen to the whole thing, I get it. Just fast forward to the second hour. Right at the top of the second hour, the 10 o'clock hour, is when Steve comes on. And we talked about some very critical things that are applicable to every one of you. And if you missed it, You need to go pick it up. One more little thought process about the election that's coming up next year. Let's face it. We got so many people running for president right now. The GOP nomination is going to come down to a battle between, I think, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Everybody else is just auditioning for the job of vice president. Now, because of our current situation in the vice presidency, you and I know how important it is to get somebody that is qualified in that slot. The horror show now playing out before our very eyes is if Donald Trump is not elected and Joe Biden would be reelected, He says Kamala Harris is going to be his VP. So typically what we would say at this point, we're not voting for Joe Biden for re-election. Nobody is. They're voting for a president, Kamala Harris. Think about that for a minute. So let's jump back over to the Republican side. After DeSantis' announcement that he's running, the GOP primaries are now full swing. They're rolling. As a distant second behind Trump in the polls, DeSantis is likely the only possible candidate able to capture the nomination and take it away from Trump. Yet, this does not mean we should ignore the large field of contenders who are running for the nomination. Many are impressive. Many have strong conservative bona fides. The greater the number of candidates, the better it is for Trump. He can pick them off one at a time, meanwhile, and his core supporters are going to stick with him no matter what. This can help him get the nomination with the slim plurality of the vote. And it's likely that all of these challengers know that, since it's exactly what happened in 2016, remember? Given this, it's reasonable to assume that many are just in the race to raise their profile and become a potential VP pick. However, it's not all about kissing the ring. There are three candidates that have different strategies to distinguish themselves to us, the voters, at the same time distinguishing them to President Trump. Let's talk about them for a second. Nikki Haley is one of those three. Her strategy could best be described as following the Kamala Harris model. She's popular among the elites, and she's willing, as she's shown us, to publicly criticize Trump. And when she does, it generates headlines for both of them. But she's not yet crossed any line that would make her persona non grata in Trump world. Kamala, too, was popular among elite Democrat opinion makers, if you can remember, particularly In Hollywood, her infamous debate jab at then-candidate Joe Biden's support for busing, strongly implying that he was a racist, which he was and he is. He's proven it over and over again. That's a fact. Her jumping on him and intimating that he was a racist garnered headlines before the corporate media. Fact-checkers hilariously tried to rewrite history to prepare her for the VP role. Biden world ultimately welcomed her back with open arms. In a recent CNN town hall, Haley criticized Trump for insufficiently strong support for Ukraine, as well as the practicality of his Social Security and his Medicaid promises. She's also previously taken shots at Trump's handling of January 6th In the fallout subsequent to January 6th. Nevertheless, she remains close to the Trump camp. Despite criticizing his involvement on January 6th as disqualifying... ...she told CNN she would support whoever the Republican nominee is. At the same time, she's carefully targeting DeSantis... ...echoing Trump's own line of attack on the spat with Disney. These attacks will help establish her national posture but also ensure she has room to come back to Trump if and when the time arises. Establishment Republicans would likely love to have her on the ticket as a moderating, feminine voice to soften Trump's brashness. It would likely make Trump a more appealing candidate for the donor class who she aligns with more politically. Haley would be politically a savvy choice for Trump. Who else is out there? We we said there are three. These are my opinion. Tim Scott. Tim Scott would be a safe choice for President Trump, and he knows it. Like Haley, he's a calm and reassuring voice to temper Trump's more audacious impulses, but he brings more to the table than Haley does. Scott also has powerful elite support. Oracle founder Larry Ellison is one of his major backers. Ellison helped him launch a campaign with the most cash on hand in the history of presidential campaigns. Yet, Scott also has a vision more appealing to grassroots supporters. Unlike Haley, he's more willing to wade into the cultural issues that Trump's base views as a prerequisite. Scott's willing to speak out against critical race theory in schools. Haley tentatively sides with Disney in the battle over wokeness. He has a compelling story. Tim Scott went from cotton to Congress, as he regularly puts it. He recently called out members of The View for misunderstanding American racism, rightly saying his experience is not the exception, but the rule. We played you that interview yesterday on TNN Live. This is not just compelling to conservatives or donors, but to all Americans who still believe in Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of a colorblind society. Choosing Scott would likely broaden Trump's appeal to the maximum extent possible, not only in the primaries, but in the general election as well. And the third one, Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy likely has distinct motivations for becoming Trump's running mate. A wildly successful entrepreneur who defied the structures of the elite to champion middle-class interest, Ramaswamy is the candidate most like Trump himself. He, too, is an outsider, less interested in political power, per se, than the way he can wield it to achieve his visionary ends. He's talked about strong support for Trump's tenure in office. Yet he represents a younger, fresher face to Trumpism, more in tune with a new generation of very online conservatives. Ramaswamy presents a compelling vision, but doesn't have the pre-existing name recognition that helped propel Trump to office as an outsider. As a vice presidential pick, however he would likely see the role as a platform to help broaden Trump's base as well as his policy vision to the younger generation. Ultimately, the primary reason all three of these candidates are playing for Veep is that they just aren't doing well in the polls. Yet, the election is still quite a ways out. There, as you know, is a lot of room for a surprise. Yeah, nothing at this point would surprise me. Nothing at all, especially with what's going on when there are so many people out there that have Donald Trump in their bullseye, and they are doing anything and everything to keep him out of the White House. And it's not just Democrats. It's that pile of rhinos, Republicans, who can't stand Donald Trump. Rhinos are Republican and name only. That's what Rhino stands for. And there are so many of those. We know who they are. I mean, Chris Christie's in the race. He made it very clear. He knows he can't win the presidency. So what's he getting in for? The Rhinos have raised a buttload full of money for Chris Christie and he is going to be and probably the only thing he's going to be in the campaign is a attack dog to go after Donald Trump every day, 24-7. <laughs> Chris Christie, an attack dog. Honestly, he's built like an attack dog. I never liked him when he was running the state of New Jersey. I think... He is just nothing more than a wannabe boss. And he just got kicked to the curb in 2016. He got humiliated after he humiliated Marco. Marco Rubio, senator down in Florida that was running. So a lot of people are saying, what about Ron DeSantis for vice president? And I know we're going 45 minutes into the show and we're still talking about election stuff. This is the last story today we're going to talk about on election stuff. The dream ticket. I mean, we all talked about it. Trump DeSantis. Or even DeSantis Trump. Now think about that. We talked about it on the show. We had callers call in. A couple of them called in and talk to us about DeSantis and Trump as a team. Donald Trump, he can serve as president for one more term. Think about it. Trump, DeSantis is vice president. They have a very successful four years, and Trump, by bringing DeSantis in with him as VP, he shows DeSantis all the ropes, the very successful things and the way Trump used them in his four years, even to put aside a lot of the Democrat fighting that happened that kept him from totally getting all of his ideas in place, the things that he told us in in his campaign that he wanted to do. He got most of them done, but Congress, the rhinos, kept him from getting some of them done. DeSantis could learn all that, and then Trump could help put DeSantis in office, in 2028 and even 2032 think about that we could have 12 years 12 years 4 more of Trump and then 8 years with a true conservative just like Trump as president how much good could be done with this pair as a tag team in 2024 it could still happen It still could happen. Now, I promise you, at the top of the show, we had some very important news coming out of China. We finally have verified something about the communist Chinese government regarding TikTok. And it's no longer rumors that Xi Jinping's Chinese government can access stuff On the computers and the phones of TikTok users. A former high ranking employee of ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, alleged that a group of members within the Chinese Communist Party had special credentials to access US user data. That's according to a legal filing. It's factual, it's true. Former executive Yu Yin Tao alleged that CCP committee members targeted Hong Kong civil rights activists and protesters back in 2018 obtaining TikTok data containing network information, SIM card identification, and IP addresses to track and identify them. This is part of a court filing. Moreover, CCP members inside ByteDance had access to a super user credential or they call it for short, a God credential to see every piece of information the company received and had a backdoor channel to obtain U.S. user information. In other words, people in the U.S. that have TikTok on their iPhones, Google phones, any phone, and even on computers. These allegations came up as part of a recent submission in a wrongful termination lawsuit filed in May in San Francisco. Yu is a California resident. He was head of engineering for ByteDance from August of 2017 to November of 2018 and was based at ByteDance's Menlo Park, California office and he worked at the company's Los Angeles and Beijing offices i have seen no evidence the chinese government has access to that data that's from tiktok ceo shuji chu in march when he testified before congress they've never asked us and we've never provided use lawyer named charles jung a partner at law firm and Young told the Wall Street Journal that Yu was inspired to reveal the allegations because he viewed Chu's testimony as deceptive. Yeah, he outright lied. My client is placing himself at risk by telling his story in court, Jung said, but the truth is powerful. Telling the truth is what's needed to bring social change. We plan to vigorously oppose what we believe are baseless claims and allegations in this complaint. That comes from a Byte Dance spokesperson. Mr. You worked for Byte Dance for less than a year. His employment ended in July of 2018. During his brief time there, he worked on an app called Flipogram, which was discontinued years ago for business reasons. It's curious that Mr. Yu has never raised these allegations in the five years since his employment for flippogram was terminated. His actions are clearly intended to garner media attention. But what we do know from the court filings is Chinese Communist Party now have access to all of the data That TikTok users have on their phones, any other peripheral that has that app on it, including their computer hard drives. Now, if that doesn't scare you, there's something wrong with you. Moms and dads, get rid of TikTok. Real truth, real news, TNN,
4: the Truth News Network. A wild caught filio fish and a sizzly double cheeseburger. Well, they are two classics that never go out of style. Hold on. Wait. You're assembling a Surf Plus Turf McDonald's hack, which must make you a menu hacker. Yes, the Surf Plus Turf available only on the McDonald's app. You get free medium fries and a drink. Oh, someone opened the app. I need to order and build one immediately.
7: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
5: The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY.
2: New Dunkin' Refreshers Vibrant fruit
6: flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit B vitamins and energy from green tea All under 200 calories Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay and pick up in the drive-thru America runs on Dunkin'
2: Price and participation may vary, limited time offer
7: See the bold new expression of sporty style Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my Pee Wee Herman.
1: wearing those patent leather shoes, those white patent leather shoes, dancing on that uh, fence top (laughs) tequila. Oh my gosh, great memories. My kids love that movie. I've probably watched it 50 times. Well, maybe not 50, but a whole bunch of them. Have you ever, like me, have you wondered why in the United States of America, it seems like all the really big negative things. They just keep happening. It's almost like it's cyclical. You know, look at look at our pandemic. You know, I mean, it, it was COVID-19. It was just gonna be something like the flu, but it turned into something big. And right after COVID, at the end of it, we had impeachment of the it, all of these things just seem to run together, but they're not singular. It's like it's cyclical. It just keeps happening over and over and over. It may not be the exact same thing, but it's this big every time, and it may be even bigger. Do you think that these things happening like this is just an accidental thing? Well, it's not. And I'm going to give you some proof. Dave Rubin on the Rubin Report. He found in the annals, I guess, of the old tired stuff that's put up on the shelf, some conversation by some of a couple of the biggest movers and shakers in private equity firms in the nation, including the guy that founded and runs BlackRock, which is the biggest single owner of corporations, not just a corporation. But corporations, BlackRock owns a piece of pretty much every company you can name. I want you to listen to these guys explain why we have all this stuff that just seems to go in a circle. And it it keeps happening again and again and again. And it's not accidental.
6: The question again is why does all of this keep happening Why does the race stuff keep happening? Why does the gender stuff keep happening? Why does the open border stuff keep happening? Well, there actually is a reason for it. Uh, This video has been making the rounds. It's from 2017, and it is the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, along with the CEO of Amex, American Express, uh, explaining how they basically use their conglomerates to, quote, force behaviors on people. This is wild, and remember, this is about six, seven years ago. So think about what we've been through for the last six, seven years. Now listen to this. You, you now make a point of that's, that's an investment criteria for you.
0: Well, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we're, gonna, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Uh, 54% of the incoming class are women. We, we added four more points in terms of diverse uh, employment this year. And, it If it, it, you know, what we're doing internally is, if you don't achieve these levels of impact, it, your compensation could be impacted, okay? We're doing the same thing. And so it's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not, just not recruiting it is development as ken said and ultimately it's still going to take time but i am just as much shocked as ken is that we have not seen more opportunities and we're going to have to force change
6: how do you get it guys force change force behaviors Uh, larry fink by the way has been the ceo of blackrock i think since 1988 he is still the ceo of BlackRock, he is a white man. I looks like in in maybe his uh, early to mid 60s, uh, has not stepped down for a black lesbian yet. It's very very bizarre. I thought change starts with you, the man in the mirror. What are you doing, dude? But now do you get it? So these companies that then push these crazy policies on all of their subsidiaries are actually injecting racism, injecting. Gender discrimination against, say, straight people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, into all these things. So there's a clean path, right? That's what I'm trying to lay out to you guys today. When every day we wake up and there's more craziness, or why does the craziness never stop? There's a there's a clear
1: reason for it. My mother told me something. My mother remarried and married well. She married a uh, entrepreneur from South Louisiana, and uh, they had pretty much all the money they needed or wanted and did pretty much everything they did. And a couple of times, especially in the early going of that relationship, I um, I questioned my mom's reasoning. Did you marry Papa Joe? His name was Joe Huval. Papa Joe Huval from Lafayette, actually from Broussard, Louisiana. And I said, did you marry him just for his money? And she looked at me and said, I'll never forget this line. Money's not everything, Dan, but money makes everything a little better. At the time, I didn't get that. I mean, you know, I was young. I was in college, and I knew that money opened up doors. The more money you had, a lot more doors will open to you. And when you're young, that's all you really think about, what you can get, what you can achieve if you have more money. You just heard... Two guys from two of the biggest companies on the planet, BlackRock and uh, the owner of American Express, that parent company. They look at the world, especially the financial world, in a little different perspective than do most of us because we can't identify. But at the beginning of that conversation, what the CEO of BlackRock said, it just slapped me in the face. We manipulate people's habits, people's actions, people and what they do. We manipulate it, and we have to. Now, think about that. They have to. Why do they have to? Because everything exists in an upside-down funnel. And it all has to be wide and spread out, but it has to be for one common cause. And to get there, we can't just expect people to do the right things and to have every bit of information and knowledge and expertise that is necessary. And so we find people, we bring them in, and then we manipulate what they do, and their mindsets. That should scare us. But really, I don't think we want it to scare us. What we want it to do is educate us to what's going on. I've always said, coming from South Louisiana, where the culture down there, especially in Acadiana, which is an area of about maybe 200 square miles, it's where the Cajuns live. You've heard the term Cajun. Cajuns are basically a mixed race of African American, Caucasian, and even some American Native Americans, Indian. Creole came down from Canada. It's a mixture. And these people are like thinkers. They've developed a social existence, a society, basically. And we laugh about it. I lived in it. I grew up in it. And I wasn't Cajun. And it was very obvious I wasn't Cajun. But I integrated very easily with these people because I grew up with them. I was conditioned by environment. And that's what's happening now in these major corporations. And obviously, It's been happening for years. That, what you just heard, was from 2017. So what is the target? It's not about making money. It's about controlling people, controlling what people think and what people do, and condition them to get into a frame of mind that is corporately developed, by major companies like M X and BlackRock. And therefore, these bad things that happen, they talked about it, racism, illegal immigration, being allowed, all of those things are taught and created. Look at what happened to you and your mindset during COVID-19 regarding, regarding the disease itself, COVID, and vaccines. How many of you, during COVID world, you just, everything that came from the White House, that came from Dr. Anthony Fauci, that came from the CDC, National Institutes of Health, how many of you just swallowed it hook, line, and linker, sinker, and you started wearing masks everywhere you go? I was in... Atlanta, Georgia, this past weekend. We did the show Friday live from Atlanta, Georgia. I flew out there. I flew through Charlotte. Going out, I flew through Dallas, Fort Worth, DFW. There are still people that are wearing masks. And we at TNN Live Truth News Network, in the very beginning of this mask thing, we published on our website... 37 different control tests that proved none of the masks on the marketplace would stop COVID 19. Not a single mask out there, we're doing it. And every one of those 37 control tests that we published on our site, they came from the CDC's own website. Yet here's Dr. Anthony Fauci, and he's up there touting. Every day at the beginning of the pandemic, you got to wear a mask. You've got to socially distance. None of that worked. But it conditioned people to act in a way that the big, unincorporated corporation, and you know who I'm talking about, the political blogosphere, the whole thing, we all acted in accordance with what we were conditioned was the right thing to do. That soundbite that you just heard, that conversation with the CEO of Amex and the CEO of BlackRock, it just proved to me (laughs) we're all listening for Siri. (laughs) Siri's our boss telling us what's okay and what's not okay and what we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to do. And we're all products of that. I'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> you're guilty. We all are. And talking about moving from uh, South Louisiana to North Louisiana, I, I grew up in down there. I lived in a small town. There were no black schools and white schools. There were schools. And I played basketball. I played football with African-American guys. Never thought a thing about it went to school with them, sat next to them in lunchrooms. We were friends. We did things together. Yeah, there was racism there, but it, it didn't just devour people. And yeah, I know there were people that were really white supremacists. Evil, my friends, exists everywhere. And it comes, racism itself comes not from biology, It comes from conditioning. It comes from other people. People are conditioned to be and think and act racist. That is a fact. And there is no nation on earth that is exempt from it. None. It exists and always has. I'm saying that to tell you this. When I moved to North Louisiana, Came up here, did my senior year in high school, and then went to college in North Louisiana. Married Marianne. We met at, at college. We got married. And we've lived here ever since. I didn't know what racism was until I moved to North Louisiana, which was supposed to be a racially blended part of Louisiana. It's 300 miles northwest of New Orleans. And everybody thinks, you know, we're really like East Texas. Racism up here went crazy when I got here. This was when integration had just been kicked off. School busing, all of the negative things that just promoted racism. It instilled racism in a greater way than it ever existed in the beginning. But it was taught. We people were conditioned to live with that mindset. And it's evil. There's no question about it. In my mind, it's the scourge of this generation is racism. But it exists, and we, my friends, have allowed it to be conditioned, and we respond in one way or the other. We choose. Maybe it's subliminally, but we choose to embrace it, to adopt it, or to push it out. And it's that way about everything. It's not just about racism. It's about everything. Now, is that a bad thing? We just need to know it's there, and we need to be able to discern when it's happening and not let someone force it on us without us realizing what we voluntarily are adopting. I want to segue right into something else. We're going to take a short break here, but on the other side of this, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of what's going on with this FBI thing FBI Director Christopher Wray and that 1023 document that he still refuses to give to the House Oversight Committee. That is oversight. It is responsible for overseeing everything that goes on in the FBI as well as other parts of our government. What's really going on there? That's up next. Fox Wednesday, could this mysterious princess unlock riches?
6: She's a bad singer. All hail Princess Adrian! All new I Can See Your Voice. Then, TV's number one news show's top ten face double elimination. No one is safe. This can't be good. All new I Can See Your Voice and all new Next Level Chef, Wednesday on Fox.
7: No doubt you've heard about this subliminal seduction nonsense. You know... Commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, Baron's Saloon denies any use of this so called mind control. Come to After all, Baron's is seductive enough as it is. Get in your car and come right now. What with a 16 page dinner menu crammed with delectable items, 30 dinner items under $5, big and a happy hour that lasts from 4 till 8 p.m. Obviously, Barrons has that rare combination of good food, Take out your wallet. good fun Give us your money. and good prices. Give us your cash. So let's put this subliminal seduction nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. Come to you either want to come to Barrons, you do you do. Or you don't. But boy, oh boy, you do you do. Barrons, Airport and South Academy. <laughs> every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society, the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com.
2: When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network.
1: During the break, I just had a truth bomb dropped on me. And before we get into the Christopher Ray FBI debacle, I want to share this with you. It's been confirmed today that Instagram is being used by a network of child pornography distributors, and they're using it to commission and sell child sexual abuse material openly. The distributors use Instagram's algorithms and hashtag system to promote content, to users. This is according to the Stanford Internet Observatory, coming in a report released this morning, just minutes ago. The posts themselves would not present direct images of child pornography, but content menus, which offer links to websites that can be used to purchase the content, including Telegram groups and Discord servers the distribution of child pornography violates most websites' term of service and, by the way, federal law. Due to the widespread use of hashtags, relatively long life of seller accounts, and especially the effective recommendation algorithm, Instagram serves as the key discovery mechanism for this network. They estimate that the network had been between 500 and And 1,000 accounts meta the parent company of Instagram quickly acted after it was asked for comment by the Wall Street Journal on this the social media company acknowledged flaws within its anti-child pornography enforcement operation and said it was creating an internal task force to look into these networks child exploitation is a horrific crime the company said we're continuously investigating ways to actively defend against the in, this uh, intrusion. Instagram has taken down 27 child porn networks and intends to remove more. Meta said it's also blocked thousands of hashtags used to sexualize children and restricted the platform from recommending search terms associated with sexual abuse. There's a lot of good that's come from social media, no question about it. But where there is opportunity of any kind, there will always be evil people that evil people are going to do evil things. Child pornography, in my opinion, is one of the most, if not the most atrocious things ever foisted on humanity. If we can in any way reconcile abusing children in any way, and it being okay to do it online and sell materials that show it happening? My God, how sick has this nation become? How far have we people let it go? I just don't understand it. And to be honest with you, people need to understand. I harp here at TNN Live about the rule of law and about enforcing the laws. And here's the real reason for it. If we don't work within the structure that our peers have put together, our peers are the ones that we elected to do just that. We're paying them. And that's what they do. They craft laws to take care of us and keep us safe and keep the evil as much as possible out of our lives. And we find out that Instagram is a place, I mean a a platform, a store basically, that these evil pedophiles are using to distribute child porn and child abuse porn. And they're making money from it, and Instagram is just now acting on it. Meta, Facebook's owner, is just now acting acting on it? There's just something not right with that. And that segues into the story that I told you we were going to do going into the break. And it's about Christopher Ray, and about this FBI 1023 document, which is not a classified document, but it came from an interview with the FBI whistleblower. And those are supposedly to be used for a Agent to decide for the agency to investigate or to not investigate something that this whistleblower or any whistleblower brings to them. Why would this not be escalated to the point of a full investigation? What's this whistleblower and this thing about? Former Governor Huckabee from Arkansas. He weighed in on this this morning.
5: Now, look who is Thank back you. with us to weigh in. He's former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee. Love you, Mike Huckabee, your straight shooter. Your reaction to that interview? Why? Won't, by the way, why won't the FBI let the full House Oversight Committee read this unclassified FBI document?
8: Because they don't think there's any consequences for them to just uh, thumb their nose at Congress. This is insane. Uh, Nobody elected the FBI to anything, and in our form of government, the highest uh, really power in our government are the people who are elected by the people to serve. And they have oversight responsibility of bureaucracies. And the bureaucracies don't have the option of saying, no, we're not really interested in letting you see these things. And it's an outrageous affront, really not just to Congressman Comer and his oversight committee. It's an affront to the American people to basically say, it's none of your business. Well, yes, it is our business, and they need to pony up and give them the documents. So
5: the FBI does a full-blown launch of a probe on Trump-Russia on an unvetted, uncorroborated allegation, and basically using a steel dossier financed by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. And now they've got documents and allegations that they're circling the wagons around, And, you know, uh, Governor, you know, the White House is acting like it can't ask any questions about this. Let's get your reaction to NSA spokesman John Kirby here. Watch. Uh, One question on the House oversight investigation, please. Um, As you know, on May 10th, they issued a report showing that the Biden family allegedly funneled $10 million into their bank accounts while Joe Biden was vice president. Members of the committee have said There may be several national security concerns at hand here with their alleged ties to the foreign countries. Um, Admiral, have you read the report yourself? And do you personally think that there are any national security concerns here? No and no. What do you think, Governor? Uh,
8: They're covering up. I mean, you know, they can say whatever they want to, but they are not answering questions. I I frankly can understand why they don't want to answer questions. Because I don't think the answers are going to do them any good. What I don't understand is why why isn't there a greater level of curiosity and even outrage from the media over the stonewalling that the White House continues to give, and not just the White House, but the FBI and the Department of Justice. If, uh, If Joe Biden's last name were Trump, why, we'd be having riots in the street demanding that these records be released. It's why people are sick of a two-tiered justice system, one for the bureaucratic insiders, the deep state, and then there's a totally different uh, set of rules for everybody else. But, you know, if if someone comes to your house, Liz, and they say, I'm from the FBI and I want to look around, see how it works out if you say, no, I don't think so. I'm just not interested in you taking a peek at what I got, even if you have a warrant. But what we really have is we have clear evidence of election interfering from the highest levels of our government. And that ought to scare the pants off of every American.
5: So, and we also have evidence of things like, you know, Hunter Biden taking nearly two dozen trips on Air Force Two with Secret Service protection flying around the world. And we have then Vice President Biden on audio tape telling his son Hunter, quote, you're in the clear after the New York Times in 2018, reported a bombshell about how Hunter Biden was making money off that Chinese energy conglomerate that's now defunct. Two of its officials, uh, one was charged with bribery. Um, You know, Governor, we want to get your reaction. The media still thinks Trump helped Russia hack emails at the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. This story is not going away. Let's get your reaction to this. Watch.
8: They are beating up on, on Trump for political reasons. Everybody sees that what happened with the Russian collusion that never existed, effectively exonerated the guy so he can play a victim card. You've all created a situation where God, what, what kind of planet are we on where Donald Trump has become the victim? Well, but that's first of really all, I, what think, it is. I think we very- And so now nobody know, believes it. Well, nobody believes it.
5: We know, I have to stop you on there, because we know very clearly that Putin and the Kremlin did intervene in our election in order to try to help Donald Trump back in 2016. So we know that is true. But you may think that they shouldn't engage in this as a messaging tool because it's not helpful to them. Is that what you're saying?
8: Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not going to re, relitigate you know, the, the Russian collusion nonsense that went on for two years. You don't need to relitigate. It's been litigated it by, but, by lawyers yeah, yeah, and it's, investigations. It's, not, it's nonsense. But, you, but now nobody... True, but nobody
5: I mean, the Mueller report, uh, I mean. Governor, the Mueller report found Putin did not intervene to help Trump hack, Trump hack emails at the DNC in the Hillary Clinton campaign. The Mueller report did not find that.
8: Well, not only did the Mueller report not find it, $37 million later of our tax money, but what the Durham report showed was that this whole thing was cooked up by the Hillary campaign. This came right out of Hillary and the DNC. And the FBI became willing partners to get the fake warrant, the FISA warrant, go after Trump, lie their teeth off about what supposedly happened, all these salacious stories about Trump and Moscow and all that stuff that turned out to be absolutely nonsense, complete bovine droppings, as my friend Larry Gatlin would call them. And, and all of this, and you still have Gensaki going on and still pretending that there was Russian collusion. This is insane and outrageous, yet these people are going to probably get Pulitzer Prizes for continuing to lie about stuff like that. No wonder Donald Trump is up 30 points over everybody else. People aren't stupid. They see this, and they're sick of it. Sick of it. There's the key
1: term. People are sick of it. People aren't stupid. It blows my mind that there is a huge portion of our media today that actually believe we're too dumb, or we don't care enough to pay attention to what they're telling us, and to be able to discern, on most parts, we're able to discern when they're misrepresenting things and when they're outright lying to us about things. That's why Trump is up as much as he is. I could spend an entire show talking to you about conversations that I have with my fellow Christian brothers and sisters about Donald Trump and how many people, I mean, it's almost unanimous. Everybody says, boy, we like what he did. We like his policies. We like what he did for the American people. But I wish that he would tone down the rhetoric, that he would stop calling people names, that he would stop laughing at people would stop just diminishing anybody and everybody that has a different opinion about anything than his. I wish they would stop that. And I felt the same way the first few months of his presidency. But then I began to think through and I began to watch Donald Trump's methodology, which is very blue-collar. you you got to be honest and, and analyze where he came from. He came from Queens, New York. It's where he grew up. That's where he built his company. And that means that he worked with some of the coarsest labor unions, blue-collar workers, construction workers. Those are the people he interacted with. And on a higher economic level, it was people that were coarse, that were crude, but everybody understood the language, the lingo and everybody acted accordingly. You know what I tell my Christian friends that are put off by the way Trump messaged? Trump's methodology resonates with more blue-collar Americans, and more of those blue-collar Americans identify with that than there are us that don't like that. That's just the way life is in average America. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's that's a fact. There's no doubt about it. It's a credible thing to believe that. And if you don't believe it, then give me an answer. Why? Why is he 30, 35 points up? Why? Why would people... I mean, do you think Americans are so crude? Do you think that Americans... Or stupid? I don't. I believe his messaging resonates with more people than it doesn't resonate with. And in many cases, Trump says things that you and I think, but we don't say. (laughs) Don't question me on that. Hey, by the way, a federal appeals court has upheld a lower court's decision about Biden's administration policy that allows the mass release of illegals without even having a court date. Lawsuit filed in Florida. U.S. District Judge Kent Wetherill blocked the Biden administration's parole with conditions policy in May, just before the Title 42 expired. A three-judge panel for the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals denied Biden's appeal yesterday, leaving in place the lower court's injunction and their reasoning. They said Homeland Security's claims of injury from the injunction ring somewhat hollow considering its record of overstating similar threats. The department's ability to ascertain future harm is uncertain at best. This is the finding of that three-judge panel. Given this record, we take DHS's latest claims of impending disaster if it is not allowed to use either of the challenged policies with some skepticism. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody filed a lawsuit May the 11th, argued that parole with conditions policy is virtually identical to the administration's parole plus ATD policy previously struck down by a federal judge. In other words, they're they're no longer going to be able to do whatever they're, Doing regarding mass release of these illegal immigrants in the nation when nobody knows where they are, where they're going, how they're living and what they're doing, or we don't know their background and their history. So it's 10.30. I promised you in the first hour that in the second hour, Tucker Carlson was going to come in. Tucker Carlson, He's in a, a war, a legal war, with his old employer, Fox News. Fox News has him under contract through the end of 2024, which means through the election cycle. And part of his contract says if he leaves Fox, he can't go anywhere else to a network and go to work there at least until 2024. So Tucker, the innovator that he is, he went to Elon Musk and he cut a deal And the Tucker Carlson Tucker on Twitter show started last night. Here's the debut
9: of Tucker at Twitter. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This morning, it looks like somebody blew up the Kokovka Dam in southern Ukraine. The rushing wall of water wiped out entire villages, destroyed a critical hydropower plant, and as of tonight, puts the largest nuclear reactor in Europe in danger of melting down. So if this was intentional, it was not a military tactic, it was an act of terrorism. The question is, who did it? Well, let's see. The Kokovka Dam was effectively Russian. It was built by the Russian government. It currently sits in Russian-controlled territory. The dam's reservoir supplies water to Crimea, which has been, for the last 240 years, home of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. Blowing up the dam may be bad for Ukraine, but it hurts Russia more. And for precisely that reason, the Ukrainian government has considered destroying it. In December, the Washington Post quoted a Ukrainian general saying his men had fired American-made rockets at the dam's floodgate as a test strike. So really, once the facts start coming in, it becomes much less of a mystery what might've happened to the dam. Any fair person would conclude that the Ukrainians probably blew it up just as you would assume they blew up Nord Stream, the russian natural gas pipeline last fall and in fact the ukrainians did do that as we now know it's not like vladimir putin is anxious to wage war on himself oh but that's where you're wrong mr and mrs cable news consumer vladimir putin is exactly that sort of man the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you we know this from the american media which wasted no time this morning in accusing the Russians of sabotaging their own infrastructure. Bill Kristol, the man who once told us that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11, immediately denounced Putin as a war criminal and even more savagely compared him to Donald Trump. The rest of the pundit class made similar, clearly coordinated noises. Putin did it! Putin did it! And their reasoning was simple. Putin is evil and evil people do evil things purely for the dark joy of being evil. In this specific case, Putin attacked himself, which is the most evil thing you can do, and therefore perfectly in character for a man that evil. That was their explanation. No one who's paid to cover these things seemed to entertain even the possibility it could have been the Ukrainians who did it, no chance of that. Ukraine, as you may have heard, is led by a man called Zelensky, we can say for a dead certain fact that he was not involved. He couldn't have been. Zelensky is too decent for terrorism. Now you see him on television, and it's true you might form a different impression. Sweaty and rat-like, a comedian turned oligarch, a persecutor of Christians, a friend of Blackrock. But don't believe your own eyes. Actually, Mr. Zelensky is a very good man. The best, really. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Of all the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam. He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin. That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people, hanging out together and being good. And like all good people, when they meet in person, they spend a lot of time talking about killing people and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week.
8: Three or than-
3: Free or die? Now you are free. Yes. And
8: we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's so the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. Now
9: it's- the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, Graham says. A smile spreads across his thin, quivering lips as he forms the words. He looks like a starving man contemplating a breakfast buffet. The aroma of death has aroused Lindsey Graham. Thanks so much, replies Zelensky. He feels the same way. See, there's nothing dark here. Just two middle-aged guys celebrating the killing of a population. They don't seem like the kind of people who'd enjoy flooding villages or starting a famine. And in any case, who cares if they are? It's really not your business. Your job is to support Ukraine. Watch Nikki Haley, a Republican candidate for president, explain this principle on CNN.
2: A win for Ukraine? is a win for all of us. And for them to sit there and say that this is a territorial dispute, that's just not the case. To say that we should stay neutral, it is in the best interest of America. It's in the best interest of our national security for Ukraine to win. We have to see this through. We have to finish it.
9: See? It's very easy to understand. It is vitally important for you to support Ukraine because it's necessary for Ukraine to be supported by you. Your support is mandatory until it's finished, whatever it is and whatever that means. So shut up and support Ukraine or else you're in trouble. Back when they still taught logic, statements like this were known as tautologies. Something is true because it is. The more you repeat it, the truer it becomes. It's a self-reinforcing reality. There was a time when tautologies were considered illegitimate arguments, not to mention hilariously stupid. Only dumb people talk like that. Now everybody in power talks like that. Diversity is our strength. Trans women are women. Zelensky is Churchill. It's all self-evidently true. Doesn't need an explanation and don't ask questions. Sound familiar? Of course it does. That's the pap they're serving us day after day in steaming lumpy portions. By this point, it's possible that American citizens are the least informed people in the world. Your average yak herder in Tajikistan knows who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. It's obvious. Does he think some skinny dude in a dress is actually a girl? (laughs) Come on, that idea would never occur to him. You've got to be lied to at full volume over a period of years in order to reach conclusions like that. And of course we have been, the media lie, they do. But mostly they just ignore the stories that matter. What's happened to the hundreds of billions of US dollars we've sent to Ukraine? No clue. Who organized those BLM riots three years ago? No one's gotten to the bottom of that. What exactly happened on 9-11? Well, it's still classified. How did Jeffrey Epstein make all that money? How did he die? How about JFK? And so endlessly on. Not only are the media not interested in any of this, they are actively hostile to anybody who is. In journalism, curiosity is the gravest crime. Yesterday, for example, a former Air Force officer who worked for years in military intelligence came forward as a whistleblower to reveal that the U.S. government has physical evidence of crashed non-human-made aircraft as well as the bodies of the pilots who flew those aircraft. The Pentagon has spent decades studying these otherworldly remains in order to build more technologically advanced weapons systems. Okay, that's what the former intel officer revealed and it was clear he was telling the truth. In other words, UFOs are actually real, and apparently so is extraterrestrial life. Now we know. In a normal country, this news would qualify as a bombshell, the story of the millennium. But in our country, it doesn't. The Whistleblower's account ran on a technology website called The Debrief, which you've probably never heard of. The Washington Post had that story, but decided not to run it. The New York Times, meanwhile, just pretended it never happened. On the front page of the New York Times website this morning, there were five stories about Ukraine, as well as four stories apiece about Donald Trump, trans people, and climate change, the usual lineup. There was nothing at all about how an alien species is flying hypersonic aircraft over our cities. Not one word. So if you're wondering why our country seems so dysfunctional, this is a big part of the reason. Nobody knows what's happening. A small group of people control access to all relevant information, and the rest of us don't know. We're allowed to yap all we want about racism, but go ahead and talk about something that really matters and see what happens. If you keep it up, they'll make you be quiet, trust us. That's how they maintain control. When Western tourists first started traveling in large numbers to the Soviet Union in the early 1970s, they found that many Russians had a completely warped understanding of the United States. They thought that Americans lived in grinding poverty in a state of perpetual race war and were desperate to flee to the freedom and prosperity of the Eastern Bloc. They thought this because that's what they had been told, they had no way to know otherwise. The few Russians who understood what was really going on in the rest of the world had learned about it from listening to shortwave radio broadcasts, sometimes under the covers so the neighbors wouldn't hear. Fifty years later, it is bewildering to consider the ironies here. We're the ones who live in ignorance now. The US government has managed to classify more than a billion so-called public documents. So at this point, we can't possibly know what our leaders are doing. We're not allowed to know. By definition, that is not a democracy. Yet it's fine with the media. Secrecy is a powerful tool of control. Stop asking how we got so rich. Here's another story about racism. Go eat each other. That's the program. That's how most of us now live here in the United States manipulated by lies, silenced by taboos. It is unhealthy and is dehumanizing, and we're tired of it. As of today, we've come to Twitter, which we hope will be the shortwave radio under the blankets. We're told there are no gatekeepers here. If that turns out to be false, we'll leave. But in the meantime, we are grateful to be here. We'll be back with much more very soon.
0: people say the news is
1: Well, there you have it. Tucker on Twitter. Tucker Carlson is now on Twitter. And the reason for it, in case you missed it earlier, is because his contract with Fox, if and when he leaves Fox for any reason, he's still under contract to Fox through December of 2024. And that prevents him from going to another network network where he could put his show, and so he can't do it. But he has contractually the ability to access and use social media. Twitter is a social media site. And so what Tucker's done is an abbreviated version of his show, and he'll be back. And when he does, we'll bring Tucker to you. On a different conversation note, Did you hear what happened yesterday in the professional golf world? The PGA, that's the United States' big golf association, the big one, the big one. Well, in Saudi Arabia, a bunch of uh, very rich oil moguls that love golf, they put together their own professional golf association called Live Golf, L-I-V, Live Golf and many of the PGA big-name players were wooed away with money. Phil Mickelson got $100 million to go, and it was a very controversial thing that happened. I'm not going to go into the details right now, but when we come back from this break, we're going to bring to you the person who over a year ago predicted exactly what happened yesterday would happen to the professional golf world. And guess who that person is?
4: The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory Filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu.
0: I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes! Cool. You okay with this? Yes! And this?
6: Yes! And what about this? Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty.
4: You're
7: so out of here.
4: Coca-Cola. Open happiness.
1: I'm sure everybody at this point realizes that former President Donald Trump is a huge golf fan. He has built golf courses and golf clubs all around the world, as a matter of fact, not just in the United States. Well, he weighed in yesterday on the merger that we told you about going into the break. It's between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. And it all happened very suddenly. Trump praised the news on True Social, and he called the merger glamorous and great. And uh, he did that on True Social, but it was also copied on Twitter. Former president predicted the PGA would merge with the Saudi-backed live tour, and Trump predicted that back in 2022. He argued then that golfers who turned down lucrative live offers would come to regret it once both tours eventually merge. Trump said the PGA would not reward the loyalty of its golfers once the merger happens. All of those golfers that remain loyal to the very disloyal PGA in all of its different forms will pay a big price when the inevitable merger with Liv comes and you get nothing but a big thank you from PGA officials are making millions of dollars a year that's what Trump said over a year ago if you don't take the money now you'll get nothing after the merger takes place and only say how smart the original signees were good luck to all and congratulations to really talented Cam Smith on his incredible win Trump's golf properties have hosted, by the way, multiple of live events since the Saudi bag golf Tour launched early 2022. Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, hosted three days of live events. Trump Doral, Miami, and Trump National Golf Club in Virginia also held one each. Now, you may not be a golfer, and honestly, this whole story is about more than just golf, it's about big money, big corporations. Now, for a number of years, this guy, your host, owned two different arena football teams. One was in AF two, which is the league that operated in smaller cities, but was owned principally by the AFL. The team that I owned, the AF two team, was in Bossier City, Louisiana. It was called the Bossier Shreveport Battle Wings. Battle Wings was the team. Then when there was a merger between the two leagues, we moved our team, we rebranded, and moved to the New Orleans Arena. That's right across the street from the Superdome in New Orleans, and it's where the NBA team, the Pelicans play now. We played our games there in the Arena Football League. I learned firsthand, about professional athletics and professional sports. There's a thin line that you walk in professional sports when it comes to financials, financial rewarding or financial penalization. It's tough to make money in professional sports unless you're in the National Football League, professional baseball, uh, let's let's talk soccer on a professional basis and what else can we throw in there of course the NBA tennis but when you get out of that sphere it's really difficult to make make money that's on team sports but in professional golf we know those guys make millions of dollars at least the upper half of of the professional golfers that play in these tournaments. It's not unusual to make a couple of million dollars in a week. And we have people from right here in Shreveport, Louisiana that are very successful. Sam Burns is the latest on the tour. He's doing really well. Uh, he's won several times now and he is ranked highly in the FedEx Cup points. And he has a chance to make even more money this year. And yeah, In the PGA, there are a lot of guys down at the bottom that struggle, but to be honest about the money, I checked before we went live today, and the average PGA golfer in 2021 made $1.4 million a year. So it's a very lucrative place to play. But when you look at what Liv did, when they started theirs, they went and hired a bunch of very big-name PGA golfers. And, of course, the PGA went nuts, and they banned these guys from coming back and playing in the PGA. Let's just see what happens now. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, (laughs) both of those guys. Phil got $100 million. I mean, they wrote him a check. Who wouldn't make the switch? And Donald Trump is a businessman. He started his life. And he only took about four years out of his life to not be a businessman. But he was a businessman in the White House. But he predicted that Liv and the PGA would re, not reunite, but would merge And if and when it happened. And he predicted it was going to happen this year. Of course, he's right. How is he so right about so many different things? I don't know. Maybe he's a a seer, you know, somebody that can tell the future. I don't know. But he's a good business guy. Nobody can take that away from him. He may be crass. He may be crude, which he is. But he's a good businessman, and he predicted this would happen. And I'm glad it happened. I like professional golf. I like playing golf. I don't play much anymore. The reason I don't is it's too stinking time-consuming. I mean, on a normal course, normal country club or even a public course, it takes three and a half to four hours to play 18 holes of golf. And then when you throw in the other stuff, getting everything put together, going out, putting your shoes on, getting your clubs on a cart, all of that stuff, and in the aftermath, you're going to go inside and maybe eat a burger. You're talking about six hours. That's a lot to give away, and I know people that do it every day, Monday through Friday, and even a few people that do it seven days a week. I could be one of those people if I could put up with the amount of time that it takes, but I can't. I got too much going on. My mind's racing all the time. So in this stuff, we haven't talked about it. The whistleblower and that 1023 document, that's all about bribery, alleged bribery, by foreign nationals, Chinese people specifically, that sent money, and we have the proof that the money was sent to various members of the Joe Biden family. We call it the Biden family syndicate. Well, it took a little time, but the White House has come out in response to that. John Kirby, who's at the White House, as National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, denied that the Biden family's business schemes represent a national security threat, despite admitting he hadn't even read the House Oversight Committee report on the matter. Back in May, way, way back in May, last month, (laughs) the House Oversight Committee's probe found that the Biden family business, over the course of a couple of years, received at least $10 million from business schemes in Romania and in China, in return for what appears to be influence peddling. Now, what does that mean, influence peddling? Well, Joe Biden at the time was vice president of the United States, and the influence he was peddling was access to him and his political power and his political contacts. In total, nine Biden family members got money from the family foreign business ventures, And that includes two of Joe Biden's grandchildren. We have the documents. That's a fact. Have you read the report yourself? This is a reporter asking Admiral Kirby at this press briefing. Have you read the report yourself? And do you personally think there are any national security concerns here? That question was asked of Kirby. And his response was no and no. In other words, he hadn't read the report and he doesn't think there are any national security concerns there. The question was the second time in a week reporters raised the topic of the Biden family business during these White House press briefings. During last Wednesday's briefing, a reporter asked Kirby what he thought about a recent Harvard-Harris poll That found that 53% of us, more than half of Americans, including a quarter of Democrats, believe that Biden was involved with his son in an illegal influence peddling scheme. What do you say to the majority of Americans who think that the president is corrupt? Wow, Kirby replied, pausing before claiming that there's nothing to these claims. There's no there there. It doesn't matter if we have the banking records. Forget about that. It went to his grandchildren. He didn't have anything to do to that. <laughs> his grandkids, yeah. They operate a business in China and another one in Romania. It's all about business. It's just business, folks. That's what it's all about. That's a wrap, folks. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow.
3: You share song. touch you once again